0: Good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Welcome. Um, my name is David. I'm one of the leaders here, and i um, just excited for this morning. If you've been with us over the last month, you've probably noticed that um, every service has kind of looked similar from a musical standpoint. Not a lot of instruments, and uh, there actually is reason to that. Um, a practical reason is we have um, 88 musicians that call Fellowship Fayetteville home, and it's nice to give them the month of July off to come and sit and to be a part of the congregation with you, um, but also uh, to hear each other sing and to be known as a church that sings. And um, in the early church, there were a couple of indicators that separated the Christians from the culture. And uh, two of those things were they, they gathered regularly. And actually, the other one is that they sang. They sang together. Uh, me and my wife, we we were in Rome a couple couple years ago, about two years ago, and we did one of those tours. And our our tour guide, uh, he was awesome. I mean, he was incredible. And uh, he's walking us through the Colosseum, and uh, at one of the entrances, there were all these writings on the wall. And he stopped and he explained to to the group, and and he didn't know what any of us believed, but he he said a lot of these writings are believed to be early Christians would meet and they would write the character of God here. And they, this is where they would gather. And there's kind of like this auditorium that had this, this like whenever you sang, it would, the voices would ring. And um, he mentioned that that was an early marker of, of the Christians, the Christ followers, that they would gather together regularly and that they would sing. Um, and we're going to begin this morning by, by reading um, what a lot of scholars would call one of the hymns of the New Testament. A lot of times we look at like, book of Psalms for uh, songs, but actually Colossians chapter one and Philippians two were known as as hymns, and so maybe this is what the early Christians would sing, is is these words in a repetitive form. And so I'm going to read this over us, and then we're going to stand together, and we're going to join in with traditions of Christians for a long time. We're going to sing to the Lord together. So hear these words from Colossians one. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so together, can we stand? And as we've done all for the month of July, let's sing out, let's sing over each other. Light of the world, you stepped down into darkness, opened my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adoring, hope of a life spent with you. This is why we're here this morning, let's sing it together. We sing. Humbly you came to the earth you created. All for love's sake became poor.
1: Here I am to worship. Here I
0: am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together love. All together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Here I am, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're altogether, all together. All together wonderful to me See this together, I'll never know I'll never know How much it costs to see upon that cross, I'll never know how much it costs to see Dreams of mercy, never ceasing, call for songs of loudest. Teach me some melodious song, song that lay me, tongues above. Praise the mountain, fixed upon it, mount of thy. her hither by Thy help I come, and I hope by Thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. Oh, Jesus saw me when a stranger wanted. precious blood i was lost oh, i was lost in utter darkness till you came and you rescued me i was bound For the king and set me free. And now my soul can sing a new song. Now my heart. But i don't know about you but uh, a certain lyric in that song always um rings true for me it's the last lyric that we just sang prone to wander lord i i feel it prone to leave the god i love and um my question is if that's true for us then how does god respond what is god's response to us and what we're going to do this morning is a little different. We're actually going to take about the next six minutes. And I want you to grab your Bible if you've got it. Go ahead and pull your Bible out or on your phone. Everybody's going to need some scripture in front of them. So even if you need to go on safari on your phone, type in Psalm 145. We're all going to turn there together. And I think this might give us a little bit of insight into how God responds when his people are prone to wander and prone to leave him. This is what he does. And so for the next three to four minutes, I'm going to ask you just to read it. Read Psalm 145, and then I'll cue you in a moment, and we're going to discuss it with the person beside you. Or if you came alone, take some notes on your phone. So take a moment, and let's let's read Psalm 145 together. Read it to yourself. once you're done reading it with the person beside you, I want you to answer these questions. I want you to discuss. Or If you came alone, take notes on your phone, and I'm going to ask you this week to maybe share with somebody what you learned from Psalm 145. So take a moment and uh, talk amongst yourself and share what you learned. turn and sing this together. In all my sorrows, in all my sorrows, Jesus is better, make my heart believe, in every victory, Jesus is better. This is big. eternal, thank you for the souls of humans that are eternal, God, will we be a people who invest in things that are eternal, not things that are temporary, that will fade, we would invest in the souls of other people, and God, we would invest in your word. Well, thank you for being a God that's slow to anger and rich and abounding and steadfast love when we are prone to wander. Thank you for not changing when the world does we look to you this morning, would you teach us from your word that we would leave different than how we came in here. In your name we pray, amen.
1: Well, good morning to you, and thank God for air conditioning, right? (laughs) We'd have to put some windows on this building if uh, we didn't have air conditioning, and uh, happy ice cream day. This is National Ice Cream Day. Did you know that? So, hey, you're talking about that one now. Maybe I should say Happy Ice Cream Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, you got that one. Rogers and Bentville are a little bit slower catching stuff like that. You guys are are quick. But Happy Sunday to you. As I see our ushers are taking the offering, I just want to mention to you that we just finished our fiscal year and uh, we met our budget this year and surpassed that. More importantly, I mean, we praise God for that. It's because of your generosity we're able to do that. Yes. But <clears throat> uh, I always try to catch you up on some of the business that's going up, going on with all of fellowship. But more importantly, I want to say to you, uh, our expenses were less than our receipts. And I say that because I hope you will take the opportunity to pat your Fayetteville staff on the back because they are doing a great job of stewarding the finances that come in. And that's God's money. And we all feel a great responsibility for that. So pat Garland, and David, and Clark, Michael, and all the rest of the staff on the back <laughs> for the great job that they're doing. Yeah. Go ahead and take a bow, Garland there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm grateful for that I truly am. Uh people ask me how is everything going in fellowship Bentonville and uh as you see the picture there you see buildings very similar to this one and uh it's going better than we could ever have anticipated. We we are so thankful. In the beginning there were so many people we had parking issues and all that. Uh but that that's settled down now. We've got the parking plan and uh, they're going to have inter- infrastructure issues just like you're going to have when they start widening 112 out here. Uh, there's going to be some widening in front of that building, but it's just going great, and uh, we owe less than $4 million on that building. We hope to have it paid off by the end of the year and uh, encourage all of you <clears throat> to help us do that as you have been doing uh, because we, we definitely want to get that in the rearview mirror. And uh, also, for those of you who have been around for a long, long time, Something called the Great Investment, where we, in Rogers, back when we were smaller, we had to have five buildings. We had to build five buildings all at the same time, and that was more of a long-term debt issue, and uh, that will be paid off in December, bar none. That's going to happen in December. We're not paying any interest on that right now, but uh, to get that behind us as well. So we're thankful to God for your generosity and all that in making those things happen. Another good thing happening on the Rogers campus that will serve all of Northwest Arkansas is Samaritan Community Center is building a new facility on the northern end of our campus. Uh, We made that available to them. They're raising their own funds, and if you're not familiar with Samaritan Community Center, it started out of a community group at Fellowship and has just grown and grown and grown through the year, serving the underprivileged, giving them dental services, giving them counseling services, All sorts of things, and we're thrilled with this building, and just across the way from that on the same piece of property uh, will be the Samaritan Farm. We'll be going from growing 14,000 pounds of food a year to, well, uh, probably almost 200,000 pounds of food. All of it will be given to help feed the poor in uh, Benton County in northwest Arkansas. So we're really excited for them uh, to get their new facility built on our campus. Did you know that under our umbrella of care, we have eight congregations that we're responsible for? Eight congregations. I've got them all on the screen here for you. But two that I want to highlight this morning uh, is Samaritan Church Rogers and Samaritan Church Springdale. I see Jeff Onstad over here. Jeff retired, I think. He retired last year about about this time. And he headed up both of these congregations. But when Jeff retired, there was a void there. And so uh, Jeff approached us, and, and, and we talked with him. And, and we were able to bring these two congregations under our umbrella of care. And some of our staff went to lead those congregations. I tell you all this because I've had over the last few weeks the opportunity to, to, to visit uh, both Samaritan Rogers and Samaritan Springdale. And they're doing a fantastic job. Jeff, you laid a great foundation, and they're able to take it from there. And they serve the underprivileged. They serve the homeless uh, in northwest Arkansas. Samaritan, they, they both meet at 10 a.m. on Sundays. And Samaritan Rogers meets up on Highway 102 uh, in Rogers, and Samaritan Church Springdale meets uh, on 71 Business. Uh, they in the Plaza Shopping Center where Harps is in north Springdale right across from AQ Chicken. Uh, And I want to encourage you to do what I've done. Go visit them. See what they're doing. It will be of great encouragement to them if you just take a Sunday and go visit and see what's happening. Because they are making a difference. A while back, Matt Newman was in my office and uh, he was telling me about ministering to the homeless. And I said, Matt, what do you need? He said, bike locks. I said, bike locks? He said, yeah, the homeless guys get beat up and people steal their bikes and then they can't get to work. And so I ordered a bunch of bike locks, and he just walked around handing those things out. He said, those guys were so excited about that. It's the little things that make such a big difference. Uh, Scott and Matt are working those food lines during the week, and I also want to encourage you, if this is something you have a heart for, we have ministries here where you can get involved. The QR code uh, will uh, show you how to get more information, and again, all of this is made possible by your generosity. Well, I want to mention one other thing. Nick Roland and Garland Autry are leading a trip to Israel uh, this November. Uh, that trip kept getting pushed back, but it's finally going to happen in November. They've got a few spots left, and uh, I would encourage you, if we could go back to that other slide, the, the first day you're there, there you go, uh, you'll sail on the Sea of Galilee. And then let's just buzz through these real quick. And there's the Jordan River, just near where you can be baptized. This is uh, where the Sermon on the Mount was preached on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. It's the Mount of Beatitudes. There's En Gedi, where uh, David hid from Saul there in the caves. And then uh, there's the Judean wilderness. You probably thought that it was just wooded area. That's the Judean wilderness there, and you get to see that. Uh, here's a place called Bethabara. It's a place of crossing, It's where the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan, but it was at flood stage, much bigger at the time, where Elijah passed the mantle to Elisha and uh, where Jesus was baptized. And this is the Southern Temple Steps, one of my favorite places. Mary and Joseph would have walked up these steps to dedicate Jesus. He would have taught there. The Pentecost probably happened here. So many things you get to experience. Uh, So your time is running out. If you want to go with uh, Garland and Nick in November... Uh, I think the middle of August is the last day. There are like five or six spots left, uh, but we will have other trips coming. Uh, in uh, 2025, we'll be doing a trip. 2024, we'll be doing a trip, not 23, because this one's so late in the year that they'll be going on, but you will enjoy going with these fellows. You can go to the QR code there, and uh, we've been taking groups to Israel for almost 20 years here at Fellowship, and we've brought everyone back, Okay. So uh, many of you have gone with us, and uh, I, I encourage you to do that. Now, let's shift gears. Let's shift gears in our teaching for today from John chapter 12. Think of these words from an old song We lift our voices, we lift our hands, we lift our lives up to you, Lord. We are an offering. Lord, use our voices. Lord, use our hands. Lord, use our lives. They are yours. We are an offering. All that we have, all that we are, all that we hope to be, we give to you. Because we lift our voices, we lift our hands, we lift our lives up to you, Lord. We are an offering. Let me ask you a question. What is the most lavish, extravagant gift that you have ever given to God? And, and think outside the terms of monetary gifts. What is the most lavish, extravagant gift that you've ever given to God? I want to read a story to you from 1 Chronicles 21. A standard that David set for us. The Lord was angry with Israel. Over 70,000 of them had been killed by a plague. Sent by God because of David's disobedience. Verse 18 of chapter 21 says, Then the angel of the Lord ordered Gad, David's prophet, to tell David to go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. Now David had conquered that land from the Jebusites, that hill, Mount Moriah. So David went up in obedience to the word Gad had spoken in the name of the Lord. And while Arana was threshing wheat, he turned and saw the angel. His four sons who were with him hid themselves. Then David approached, and when Arana looked and saw him, he left the threshing floor and bowed down before David with his face to the ground. And David said to him, let me have the sight of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Sell it to me at the full price. And Aaron said to David, take it. Let my Lord, the king, do whatever pleases him. Look, I will give the oxen for the burnt offering, the, the threshing sledges for the wood and the wheat for the grain offering. I will give all this. But David replied to Arana, "No, I insist on paying the full price and get this: I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burn offering that costs me nothing. He's saying, I will not offer to the Lord anything that costs me nothing and there on Urana. The Jebusites threshing floor at the top top of Mount Moriah. This is this is what it was like back then. David conquered that from the Jebusites. That's where the first temple would be built, and it was destroyed in five eighty six B.C. by the Babylonians. But it would be real be rebuilt again. This is the place where Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac to give his very best to God. It has a history of that. Now, today, this is what it looks like. When you see pictures of Israel, that's the threshing floor where that golden dome sits today. It's controlled by Islam. They tell a very different story from the scriptures. But David reminds us of the extravagant love of, of giving our very best to the Lord. Not just what's left over. Not the money that's left over. Not the time that's left over. But giving our very best. The first fruits. And we, something, we see something today very similar in John chapter 12. As Mary offers her very best to the Lord. So look at, let's look at John 12. Verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Now, remember, we've just covered John chapter 11 where Lazarus was raised from the dead. The time, it was Saturday evening, six days before Passover. It was nearing the crucifixion of Christ that next week. The location was in Bethany. Bethany. And here's a map that locates Bethany for you. You see it's really close to Jerusalem, just a couple of miles over the Mount of Olives. This is different from Bethany down by the Jordan. That's the place I mentioned a minute ago, Beth Barah, where John the Baptist would baptize. But this is Bethany right there near the Mount of Olives, near Jerusalem. So that's where it's happening. In verse 2, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. The dinner was hosted by Lazarus' family, his sisters, Mary and Martha. And they were at the home. If if we incorporate the synoptic gospels, we see that it was at the house of Simon the leper. Or I should say Simon the former leper. A leper wouldn't have had dinner with them. But he was a former leper. The table was set for approximately 17 people and they would recline at the table. They didn't sit in chairs like we do today, but there were pillows around a low table and they would lean on one side and they would eat with the other hand and their feet were furthest away from the table. It's probably a good idea, yes? On the occasion, they were honoring Jesus for raising raising Lazarus from the dead. That was the news of the day. That was the headline for everyone traveling from Galilee down to Jerusalem for Passover, that Lazarus had been raised from the dead. Everybody was talking about it. It was significant. You'll see more of that at the end of our story today. At this dinner, there must have been interesting conversation. It would have been interesting enough with just Simon, the former leper, being there, asking him about his healing. Simon, what it was like when what was it like when your fingers were restored? When, when you felt here and your eyebrow had come back. But then there was Lazarus who had died. Lazarus, did you meet Abraham? Did you meet Isaac and Jacob? What was it like over there? And I can imagine in my mind, pure speculation, that at some point Lazarus pulled Jesus aside and asked the question: why did you bring me back? Because you see, heaven is wherever God is. And He was in the presence of God Almighty. And once we are there, we'd never want to come back here. Why did you bring me back? Well, then something unexpected and incredible happens. Look at verse three. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. And she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Purnard was a fragrant oil prepared from the roots and stems of an aromatic herb from northern India. It was very expensive. We'll find out in just a moment. It was sealed and imported and... Opened only on special occasions. Mary's lavish gift expressed her love and her gratitude to Jesus. Not only for restoring Lazarus' life, but as an act of adoration and worship. Only John noted that Mary wiped Jesus' feet with her hair, and Matthew and in, in Mark it talks about. She anointed him on his head as well. But here's something interesting. In the first century, the, the, the tradition held it that uh, Jewish women kept their hair bound. But Mary ignored this at this point as she poured out her gift on the Lord. She wiped his feet, wiped the excess with her hair. What a beautiful moment that must have been. Uh, John was obviously a witness to the fragrance that filled the house. And by the way, Matthew and Mark say she broke the neck of the vial, and so she poured it all out. There was no opening the stopper and then putting it back in if she used half a, she used it all. But John witnessed the fragrance because he said it filled the whole house. Only one who was there would have known that. And imagine John writing these words and that fragrance would have been unlocked in his mind. You know, we have that capability, those, those fragrances in our mind from the past. For me, when, when I thought of that, I remembered the smell of my desk in elementary school. I always got to sit up front, and uh, but the p- teacher made sure of that. And there were a lot of times where I had to put my head down like this on my desk, and I can still that smell that sweaty old desk from elementary school. That's what came to my mind. I asked my wife, I said, what smell do you remember as a child? She said, the honeysuckle around our old house. And she said, around the little country church, there were, there were honeysuckle vines, and I remember the smell of honeysuckle. I asked my assistant, I said, what do you remember from elementary school? She said, strawberry erasers. That, that, that fragrance of things that remember that are locked away and all of a sudden they're released into our minds. Let me mention a few for you. Crayons. Remember a new box of crayons when you opened them? Or Play-Doh. Smell that Play-Doh. Or when you open a new jar of peanut butter and peel back that lid. Or, or a fresh can of coffee that you pull it. You know, those smells are locked away. and You can smell them right now. You may be thinking of something else. But that's a gift of God, and John remembered that. I love the smell of a baby's hair right after a bath. I can, I can smell that right now. now I'm going to have a new granddaughter, and so I'm excited about that and helping take care of her. My youngest daughter is having a little girl. But John would never forget the scent of that nard that filled the entire house. And here's another thing. If she poured it on his head, then it, then it most surely got on his garments. And I think Jesus would have carried that fragrance all the way to the cross. All the way through the next week, he would have had that fragrance of the nard on him. And perhaps it's why, one of the reasons why the, the Roman soldiers cast lots for his clothing. They smelled of nard. A beautiful offering that lingered throughout the last week of Jesus' life. For her, nothing nothing was too good or too expensive to lavish on the Lord. Why? Why? Well, we already know earlier that she was one who adored the Lord and listened to everything that he said. But imagine, and and most of you have experienced this, losing someone you love very much. Uh, You can't hear their voice anymore. You you can't tell them things that you would like. I, I would love to sit at my grandmother's kitchen table one more time. They're gone. But in her case, as they were grieving over Lazarus, Jesus enters. And with a word, Lazarus, come forth. The air filled his lungs. The blood began to run through his veins again. His mind awakened. His eyes became clear and he was back. God had given her the gift of her brother. And he was sitting there at the table with them. Though he was once dead. And she expressed her love for the Lord. But the beauty of the moment was interrupted. There's always one, isn't there? And there was one here. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why was it this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. These are the first words of Judas recorded in the Gospels. The last words were in Matthew 27, I have sinned for I have betrayed innocent blood. Judas was a poser, John notes. From John's perspective, Judas' credibility and anything that he said was undermined by his character. His lack of integrity. Verse 6, John gives us a parenthetical statement. He says he did not say this because he cared about the poor. Because he was a thief. First time he was called a thief in the Gospels. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. He was a thief. And I just want to, as an aside here, we're reminded in this verse of just how easy it is to justify taking a little just for yourself. I hear those stories about people in, embezzling money, but it, it begins as a justification. Well, you know, I'm working just as hard as that person, and, and I make less, and so I'm just going to make up for it. Or, or no one will ever know, I, I really need this. Or maybe it's t- stealing time. Maybe you're working remotely remotely. And, and you're not putting in the time that you used to when you were there at the office for eight hours a day. And so you steal a little time because you're home. There's some things that need to be done around the house. Or it's paper clips or pens or office supplies. This is a good reminder that our tech integrity is more important than that. We don't mismanage or misappropriate time, finances, or anything else. How did Jesus respond? He doesn't condemn her. just as Garland talked last week in John 8. When he told the woman, go and sin no more, he didn't condemn her. And look what he says to her. He said, leave her alone. Leave her alone, he replied to everyone at the dender. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You see, anointing then was the first stage of embalming, and spices were brought throughout the decaying process. Mary is signaling here much more than she realized. Her act was somewhat prophetic, she didn't know he was going to die on the cross. Just a few days later, there's something there that's beautiful. And in Matthew and Mark, he says that what she's done will be remembered forever. And here we are 2,000 years later talking about it today. Then Jesus said something that, that perplexes us. He said, you will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, this was not a divine endorsement of poverty or an encouragement to do nothing about poverty. We know we have a responsibility there. But he's saying that poverty is a fact of life and you're always going to have the opportunity to help the poor. But the opportunity to love on Jesus here on earth was limited. His time was almost up here. And she expressed her devotion and anointed him with a perfume before it was too late. Because he was about to be gone. I remember watching Lou Holtz be interviewed one time and and they were talking about sports, but his wife had just died. And at the end of that, the reporter said to him, Coach Holtz, I just want to express my condolences for the loss of your wife. And Coach Holt said, well, he said there were so many cards, so many flowers, so many calls. He said, I just wish they had done all that while she was alive. (laughs) Just like him, isn't it? But it's true. Express that before they're gone. And that's what Mary did. She expressed her love while he was still here. And let me say, just as I talked to you about Samaritan Community Center a moment ago and the work that's done there that began out of fellowship, uh, we do have a responsibility to care for the poor, don't we, Jeff? We do have a responsibility. And it is so often, it gets political now, social justice and all that. People don't want to hear that word. Let me give you another one, Social responsibility. As a church of Jesus Christ, we are to be his light in the world by helping those who are less fortunate and helping make a difference in their lives. Well, the crowd gathers. Verse 9, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that, uh, that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. They were coming from Galilee. They were making their way south from Galilee down through Bethany to Jerusalem because they wanted to see Lazarus whom Jesus had raised to dead. They would come to the Mount of Olives and those Galilean Jews would camp on the Mount of Olives because there was no room for them in Jerusalem. That's, and these were the people who stood along the mountainside a few, days, a few days later, and would say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was the Galilean Jews who did that. And then the storm gathered. Verse 10 So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The storm was gathering quickly that would take the life of Jesus, and now they had decided to wipe out all the evidence. Let's kill Lazarus too. Jesus was undermining the good thing that they had going. So in this passage, what is our application? Well, we have representatives here of belief and unbelief. Mary represents belief. She believes in the Lord Jesus, and she adores him. Judas represents unbelief. He was in the crowd. He was in the apostles. He was was at the dinner, but he was a poser. He was just going through the motions. Rather than giving the gift, he was taking the gift. And that's something we need to be aware of if our Christianity, if our belief is marked by just what it, what's in it for me rather than what can I give, we need to question, do I really know him? A stark contrast. And then we have representatives of work and witness and worship. Martha represents worth, work. We see this in the Gospels. Colossians three seventeen. whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, I love music. But we need to expand the worship box outside of the music box. Worship is not just music. Anything you do has the possibility of becoming an act of worship as if your heart is in the right place. Spurgeon said this, He said, God does not regard our voices. He regards our hearts. He hears our hearts. Anything you do can become an act of worship if your heart is in the right place. It doesn't matter if you're digging a ditch or if you're washing dishes, teaching a class, whatever it might be. Let your heart be in the right place before God. Lord, I'm doing this. For you, It changes your whole perspective and attitude about life and what you're doing. Lazarus represents witness in the Gospels. Do you, <laughs> he represents witness, but we never have him saying a word in the Gospels. The people are flocking to him because what God had done within him It's a key aspect of worship, witnessing. John Piper said this. He said, missions or evangelism exists because because worship doesn't. Someone else made this statement. I've hung on to it for a long time. But worship is the goal of evangelism, and evangelism is the result of worship. What does that mean? Because you see, our goal is for everyone to see the Lord and all of his beauty and all of his glory and understand that he is everything and I am nothing, just as we did at the moment of salvation. But there has to be a witness, someone to tell them, someone to show them. This is the new life in Christ. And then when they find that, then they worship. And like Isaiah, they say, here am I, send me, and they evangelize someone else. You see, missions and evangelism exist because worship doesn't. And we want worship to exist in the life of everyone, where we acknowledge God in everything that we do. And then Mary, sweet Mary, she represents adoration. We saw that back in Luke 10, where Martha was doing all the work. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, remembered. I'm going to read starting verse 41 on that verse. Martha asked, I'm doing all the work, and she's just sitting there. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, I love it. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. And it will not be taken from her. Mary had a habit of choosing what was better. Because you see that nard, that was worth a year's wages. Have we ever given the Lord a gift so lavish or so costly? Mary was the fragrance of a life devoted to Jesus. That's what I want. I want to be a fragrance of a life devoted to Jesus. In Psalm 51, King David who purchased his threshing floor tells us the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. At that point in his life, He knew a lot about a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Read Psalm 51 to learn more about that. If you want to emulate someone in the Gospels, you might consider Mary. She gave her best. Joswell Sanders said one time that worship is giving God the best He's given you. My own personal definition is that it's the ultimate expression Of my relationship with Christ. And C.S. Lewis reminded us. That it is in that process of worship. That God communicates his presence to us. It's in that process of worship. Of giving God the best he has given you. That God communicates his presence to us. The best. We can give to God. To be a fragrance to him. Is all that we are, all that we have, and all that we hope to be. Sing this prayer with David.
0: Would you stand with, with me? For those of you that know it, let's sing it together. Just a prayer. Take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee take my moments and my days let them flow in ceaseless praise take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for the take my voice and let me sing always only for my key take my lips and let me silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my Take my life. It's home. you are mine. Draw me close, teach me to. Be my strength, my song in the light. Be my all, my treasure, my pride. I am your. the way, the truth, and the life. Give us a deeper understanding of who you are. or oh, that our lives would be lives of worship. Worship to what matters. Worship to what's eternal, to what's good. God, we need you in order to do that. Would you open our eyes to see you for who you are? It's your name we pray, amen. As so we end our time this morning, I want us to read this prayer that Christians have been praying for over a 1,000 years. Let's read this together. Lord, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love together. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. This morning, if you need prayer to my left, to your right, we'd love to pray with you in our prayer room. Fellowship Fayetteville, go. Let's be the hands and feet of Christ this week.